Hey guys, it's Cream, aka Miss Cream of the Crop. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Cream, featuring Spotlight on Black Owned Brands. Today's featured entrepreneur is Gabriel Powell. I'm so excited. She's an author, and the name of her book that we're going to be discussing today is Corporate Stripper. So, right after this intro, I'm going to bring Gabriel on the line. She's going to tell you guys who she is and what she's all about. Stay tuned. All right, guys, we're back, and I have Gabriel on the line. Gabriel, how are you this afternoon? I am doing good. Miss Cream of the Crop, how are you? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. So before we get into everything, I just want to say thank you so much for being my guest today and uh, taking time out of your day to just sit down with me virtually to talk about you and your book. Seriously, thank you for having me. Like I said, I love your team. I'm excited to be here today. And, yes, I am excited to talk about Corporate Stripper. Yes, 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 yes. So before we get into Corporate Stripper and all things, because um, on Instagram your name is Yuri Baby. So we're going to talk about Yuri Baby, Corporate Stripper. But now we want to know who is Gabriel. Let's talk about Gabriel Powell right now. So who is Gabriel for our listeners out there? Okay. So, <laughs> There is two different versions of me. Um, one is Gabriel Powell and one is Yuri Powell. <laughs> Gabriel is very um, short-tempered. Um, she just likes to be alone with her family on holidays, like in the winter time. Just like likes to be up under the blanket, drinking hot chocolate or tea, watching movies. That's Gabriel. Like. Through and through. Love my friends so much. We'll go to bed for them, like, through and through. Okay? That's Gabriel. And honestly, I do feel like um, when I think about my me, myself, Gabriel, I'm just like saying, you know, like, there is a different version of me, which is Yuri, which is why I created that whole persona and profile, because Yuri is much wilder. Yuri is more fun, you know, way more let go, flowy in the air, whatever it is, how it is. I feel like when I'm being Gabriel Powell, like everything is serious. I'm an accountant. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm just, like, super serious. Like, I have to get this screen done. I have to cast this show. I have to. Like, it's so serious. And Yuri is just so much more fun. I like being Yuri. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like I could be friends with both of them because – Gabriel sounds like someone that I want to hang out with because I'm always so busy, but mm-hmm. I'm always like, I can't wait until fall comes. I love when it's cold. And I'm a winter baby because I was born on Christmas Eve, so I'm all about snow. Oh, I love blankets. Like, I love cozy stuff. That's you know what I mean? Feeling, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's where our inner souls are touching right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think one of the other reasons that I love that so much is that I don't really get a chance to cozy up as much. I mean, with the pandemic, that did help a lot. It helped me to settle down a lot more um, because I was always on the go, always on the go. So I have had more cozy moments than I've had in the past. So has the pandemic helped you have more cozy moments than you probably had in the past as well? Most definitely. Um, just my kids and my husband, like, being able to simply enjoy them. Like, you know, when you have a kid, and like you said, you're always on the go. Um, I'm mom first. I'm Gabriel first before anybody. So I'm making sure I'm dropping the kids off. I'm making sure I'm going to the gym at 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning, making sure I get into the office at 9 a.m., making sure the managers are here sitting down, doing what they need to do. The staff is doing, like, I'm always on the go. So, the moment I actually got to be at home, even, like, when I gave birth to my daughter, my daughter's four. She's been in daycare since she's been born because I've been, right. we've been busy, me and my husband. So, and the same with my son. He's 11. He's been in daycare since he's been born. Like, that's yeah. just how it goes. So, the pandemic, I really sat down and I got to know my kids. Yeah. And I know my daughter is <clears throat> a crazy person. <laughs> my daughter is a crazy person. <laughs> Your daughter is Yuri. <laughs> Yes, my daughter is Yuri and her father mixed together, and it's just like, oh, my goodness, this is a lot to deal with. Like, if this is what people are dealing with for me, why are you being weird to me? I get it. (laughs) Why are you being weird to me? Yes. (laughs) 
I get it because <laughs> hey, it's a lot to deal with sometimes. Yes, <laughs> but yes. But the really brought my family together, brought my me closer to my husband. I felt I honestly felt like me and my husband was on the verge of separating, and I do honestly believe because the pandemic forced us to be in the house together, forced us to talk our problems out, forced us to deal with each other, we fell back mm-hmm. in love all over again. And I'm, I'm not thankful COVID happened, but I am thankful it saved my family and my marriage and, my, and yeah. me getting to know my kids. You know what's crazy? Every single interview that I've had during the pandemic, I, we're not out of it yet, but even after we, you know, everything opened back up, Something that I've said in almost every interview is that the pandemic is the best, worst thing that ever happened to us. Um, You know, it's been the worst because people have died, people have gotten sick, there's a, you know, people have lost businesses and money and different things like that. But I think one of the best things about it is it allowed a lot of us to put our life into perspective. It allowed people to no longer be afraid to go after what they want. So a lot of people became entrepreneurs during this time because they really realized how much they missed um, as far as, like you were saying, with your children growing up. A lot of people realized they didn't know their family. They didn't know their significant others. And for me, this whole year and a half has been the longest time that I have spent at my house. This is the longest time. You know, my youngest daughter is homeschooled, so she was traveling a lot with me um, uh, over the past couple of years. But as far as just being at home and sitting still and not leaving my city, this is the longest I've never gone anywhere, ever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, at first it was weird, but then after a while I was like, this feels kind of good because a lot of the stuff that I like doing, like, a lot of people don't think that I'm like this domestic, this very domestic person, but I really am. Like mm-hmm. I love cooking, I love decorating, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I just never really had time to do as much of that, exactly. you know, as I used to. It would only be around like holiday time. Like I was like, okay, yeah. holiday time. I am cooking, but now mm-hmm. it's like I can do. I can cook every day if I want to, you know, if instead you of just like. Have- waiting until holiday time so and I love um, that. I love yeah that. yes, yes. We, we, like it made us appreciate the little things that we completely ignore because we just feel like it's we're so used to it we're mm-hmm. used to thanksgiving we're used to certain things so we just don't even appreciate it now when thanksgiving coming around or you know you cook on the weekend it's like oh okay yeah like it's yes. it's a good feeling it's like mm-hmm. You're doing something special with your family. It's like bonding. Bonding is special. It's beautiful. It is. It really is. It is. It is. And one of the things that I used to do all the time with my kids is like, um, like whenever I would go out of town, I would always write. I would write all of them notes and just say, "Hey, they always knew I was going out of town, but I just always had wanted them to have something of me just in case." You know, Aww. and I would write yeah. the little notes and put it in their room somewhere where I knew they would see it because I like to fly out at like five, six in the morning when everyone sleep. That I'm that person. But um, just just now, it's just like being able to really just um, spend all the time with them that I missed. Like I used to spend time when they were little, but in the middle years, it was just like I was on the go and they were used to that. So now I'm just doing more stuff like family, just family stuff. So, like you say, like the pandemic, it was like the best, worst thing <laughs> that happened. So, I know, you know what I mean? So, I know that you talked about the fact that you have a team, you have a business. So, um, how did you remain um, optimistic during the pandemic as an entrepreneur? Because a lot of people got discouraged, which makes a lot of sense. Because a lot of us lost money during the pandemic. But how did oh, yeah. you remain optimistic during the pandemic as an entrepreneur? Um, so my background is accounting. So I went to school for accounting at Wayne State University, downtown Detroit. And my husband also went to U of M Ann Arbor, Wayne State, Detroit. So our, our background together is accounting. He's a CPA, financial advisor. I'm an accountant. So during the pandemic, right before it happened, I was like, no one's going to know what to do with their taxes in 2021. And when that happened, my husband was like, you're right. Let's start marketing now. So we just got on, like, I've, I've been 
outside of being accounting and stuff, I also am like a crazy marketer. Like I go nuts online, like I post crazy videos, I do all the challenges, so I know how to get people's attention. So once I realized what I needed to do, I just did it. And then I got all this attention. He did his end. Like teamwork is the teamwork gets the dream done, period. I did my part on the marketing side. He did his part on the um, financial and Google side of things of making sure we're online, making sure everything is where it needs to be so people can find us easily submit their information easily, like all the transactions that needed to be done on the administration side, it's easy for our clients to upload and contact us and get things done over online. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, our line did not stop ringing for six months straight. Six months straight, everybody called, made appointments because they needed so much help. It was just mm-hmm. so – It's and still now it's so complicated. It really yeah. is, especially these businesses that are getting all these loans and these grants, and, you know, they're paying out their 1099s. They're paying out all their information. And a lot of times we're amending returns and fixing what happened prior to them coming to us and making sure everything's right going forward. So we did good during the pandemic in the CPA firm, but my sports nutrition company is another company I have, and it did awful because I work with youth athletes. So I see youth athletes, um, pre-workout bars, recovery bars, and just at the time prior to COVID, it was healthy snacks, like actual hot meals that they could eat. And I would talk to them about their nutrition and explain to them why they're eating what they're eating. And that sunk tremendously because no one was in school. I tried to keep that afloat with, um, you know, going online and virtually talking to the kids, but it's not the same effect. It's really not when you're trying to sell a product to um, 300 students. Yeah. <laughs> it's not this. So that business did awful, honestly. It did awful. Like, we was able to keep afloat. Um, I did a lot of community stuff with that business because I was not able to go to the schools like I used to. Um, so we did a lot of community things. And during the pandemic, that company actually did get a Spirit of Detroit Award for um, going in the community and feeding so many people during that time, just giving food back to the elderly, giving food to the homeless. Or the with the politicians and things like that. So brand wise, it did good. Equity and revenue, it did bad. Other stuff did good. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing though because one of the things that I like to talk about as well with um, a lot of my entrepreneurs during this time is learning how to pivot. So uh-huh. although your brand started out as one thing with the students, you learned how to pivot it into something else and you were rewarded for that. And a lot of times as an entrepreneur, yeah. we have to we have to understand the differences in return on investment. A lot of times people think your ROI is always going to be monetary, but your return on your investment was getting the Spirit of Detroit Award, being recognized, which in turn down the line will turn into funds, but it may not have been funds during the pandemic, but you still fulfill the need in the community. You found a way and to pivot your business into something mm-hmm. else while still doing what you enjoy. So mm-hmm. I think that that's very commendable for you guys that you didn't just say, you know what, I'm just going to give it up. And that also reflects on you as an entrepreneur and shows that you're doing what you actually love to do. Yes, I I do. And thank you for that. Because no one's ever recognized it in that way. I do love what I do. <laughs> I love talking to these kids about being healthy, what to eat. And that's that's the main reason I did it. Even the elderly, like, I talk to everyone. I will talk to you about it forever. This whole interview will be about it. But, yes, I do. I genuinely love just helping people figure out. Because I know that when you eat better, Mentally, you feel better. Physically, mm-hmm. you feel better. Your blood flows to your body properly. I mm-hmm. understand the science behind it. So I, that's why I enjoy it because I, I reached happiness through – I tried to find happiness in so many different ways. I tried to write. I tried to graduate, run a marathon, have kids, get married. I tried all these different things. And the one thing that always kind of came back to me throughout my life is eating healthy. Every mm-hmm. time I ate healthy, I felt better. Just mm-hmm emotionally, physically. So I just, it, it has, eating healthy has helped me so much in my life. And yes, I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> yes, yes, I can tell. And I agree because I have certain um, health things that I'm going through that, you know, it's just something that, it wasn't something that happened to me because of something. It's just something that 
I didn't, you know, a lot of times no one else in your family, they'll say, oh, you know, tell us about your family, does diabetes run in your family, but a lot of times you might be that one-off person that has something that you don't even know was passed down to you because nobody that you know immediately has it, but it's like from generation to generation. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much what happened to me, and um, none of the medicines and treatments and infusions and all this stuff that the doctors were giving me really helped me feel better, but I realized that I had to change some of the foods that I was eating. And the weird thing about that is, is just like, I've never, even when I was a kid, like a lot of people now are like, oh, I don't eat red meat. When I was a kid, I never was a meat eater. I was the kid that actually wanted my vegetables. My sister was mm-hmm. the one that did, like, I would give my sister my meat and my sister would give me her vegetables. Like I was that kid. And but the thing about it is, is that I didn't realize that for some people, certain vegetables um, are actually can make you sick. Because everyone's like, eat your vegetables, but not really understanding that some foods do certain things to certain people, and you have to really pay attention to how you feel when you eat this and how you feel when you eat that. And I realized that foods that I thought were really good for me because they were vegetables, they were making me mm-hmm. sick. And I couldn't understand, like, why do I keep getting sick? Like, I'm I'm working out, I'm doing all these things, and I'm getting sick, and I'm swelling up, and it, but I realized that um, you really do have to eat to live and you really have to do your research. And I learned what worked for me. And ever since I learned what worked for me and what I needed to take out of my diet, even if it was a vegetable, it's like, okay, this vegetable doesn't work for me, but this one does. I feel so much better. I was in and out of the hospital and I couldn't understand. I was just like, mm-hmm. what? I was so frustrated. But the crazy thing is, it's like through my own research, and it, I, I think doctors now, because of social media, we're demanding, yeah, I think now that doctors are realizing that we have so much information at our fingertips, they're starting to jump on board with giving us information. But the mm-hmm. whole time that I was sick, it was just like, oh, let's try this medicine, let's try this medicine. They were giving me medicines that you give to people that were cancer patients going through chemo and it was literally just killing my body and you know and I literally was like okay one day I was like you know I'm tired of doing this and I just kept doing my research and I was going to different um like seminars and stuff and I just found out like if you and I was and I've always been that person who's been like bougie about my water but um, I just found out if you drink this type of water, if you change this vegetable to this vegetable, these vegetables will cause this, da 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 No, like, start these certain starches. Once I learned what I should and shouldn't eat, I haven't been in the hospital in a long time. Like, I still have to give my, um, take, med- like, one medicine, but I feel amazing. So I, I totally understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel... And, I, and I've preached that so many times. Like, prior to me working with youth athletes, I was working with, um, you know, like just normal clients that had, like, diabetes or um, sickle cell or just things that was wrong with them that food would actually help them feel better where they can take less medication. And um, I I realized, like, when every person is different, so I would take mm-hmm. their macros for them and count their um, carbohydrates, their proteins, their fats, and figure out how much they're supposed to have to get their body fat percentage down. But they're right, like you said, certain vegetables, some people might be allergic to citrus, you know? Like they can't eat anything with citrus in it then. No lemons, no cilantro, no oranges, no anything. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's just, it. but when you do find that perfect holistic food that comes from the earth to put in your body, our body is literally like a plant and like a flower. Like we have to give it sun, water, and food. We mm-hmm. really do. Like mm-hmm. if we don't, our, if you don't get enough sun, your body starts to literally lose vitamin D. And when you don't have vitamin D, it affects other things in your body that malfunction. So it, it's so important. I'm so happy you did your own research, and I'm so happy oh. you're feeling better. Because you look yes. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, because you literally amazing. it took – it really did take me to research on my own. Like I even mm-hmm. researched like the medicines that I, the medicine that I was switched to was just one injection. Um, I 
found out about that on my own too. And when I brought it to my doctor at that time, he was like, oh, well, I'm just going to have to refer you to a different doctor. I knew all about that medicine. I just don't prescribe those. Of course. Meaning more money, more doctors. Like, it's, I hate, well, sometimes I hate doctors. The thing, the thing about it is, is that you knew what could make me feel better faster. But because Thank you, he's like, yeah, I don't really believe in biologics, so I'd never prescribe those. But you didn't, you, how could you make that choice for me? And as soon as he referred me to the new doctor and she started me on a new regimen, I felt better. And then I kept doing my research and finding out what foods I should and shouldn't eat. I felt even more better. Like, I felt even better. It's just like, so I just think that it's amazing that that's something that you're passionate about and that you didn't allow, like, the fact that the pandemic happened and it took away from your funds, that you didn't allow that to say, you know, I'm not going to do this now, so... That's one of the ways a lot of times people always uh, try to figure out what they're passionate about. So people are like, well, how do I start a business? And people say, well, you know, go with what you're passionate about. And people are just like, okay, well, how do I find out what I'm passionate about? Well, really, it's as simple as would you do this if you didn't make money? Would you still be interested in doing this? Exactly. What would you do for free? That's like, how you know what, what you're passionate about. You can wake up and you do it for free, and if you don't get anything back in return, would you be upset? That's exactly. not your passion. Then. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so now, you know, we talked about all the things that you do. Like, you're, listen, you're, you're a Miss Cream of the Crop, too. <laughs> you have all these things. So, um, but what brought me, what brought you here to this um, interview, which is really cool that you have all these entrepreneurial endeavors, because I really like talking about entrepreneurship. Um, but one of the things that brought you to this interview was your book that you wrote. It's called Corporate Stripper. So let's just yeah. get right into it because I know people are like, Corporate Stripper? And yeah. like, okay, wait, before I say what I want to say, cause, because, okay, before I say what I want to say, what is a corporate stripper? Let's get that. Let's say that first. What is yeah. a corporate stripper? Let's get that clear because so everyone assumes I'm a stripper. Everyone. They just assume I'm a stripper because the book is Corporate Stripper. So I was a stripper between the ages of 13 and 24. I was 13. stripping. Yes, 13 and 24. I was a stripper. Wow. Within that time frame, I also sold pills and I also did other things like tried to start businesses. Like I've tried, I was a serial entrepreneur in the streets. Like I tried to start multiple street ghetto businesses that did not work out, which is how I ended up as an accountant and an author because I figured, okay, something got to work. But so a corporate stripper is a woman or a young lady or male that has lived in the streets and have actually danced in the dance community as an exotic dancer and actually went to college. You know, every stripper say you're on to college actually went to college, graduated, worked as a professional in corporate America, okay, or has or is in corporate America with a business, like you're actually in corporate America with a business, literally going forth and forth with the corporate giants, literally. That's what me and my husband do. That's what I do. That's what I did prior to me even leaving my job as an accountant. I was serving and um, trading $50 million trades twice a week doing $100 million. So if you're corporate in that way and you're seeing things in that way, you're really seeing corporate America for what it is, you are a corporate stripper, mm-hmm. period. If you are an entrepreneur and you have taken your negative past and your crazy past into corporate America and you try to make things right, you are a corporate stripper. That's what corporate stripper means, going from nothing to corporate right. and figuring out corporate thing that ain't, ain't for you either. Exactly. Stripping wasn't for me in corporate America is not for me unless I'm running my own corporate business. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I love that. I love that because yeah. I was going to say I was just figuring like a corporate stripper was – that makes sense. But I was thinking like a lot of people, like you said, that probably see the title of your book. like, oh, she's a stripper. And, you know, a lot of times people try to um, – no, because if I say what I want to say, it's going to mess up one of my questions. We'll talk about that when you answer my question for me. So um, so that was – I was going to ask you if your book was based on your true story. So you said that it's kind of sort of based loosely on your life. 
Nope, this is an autobiography. Everything that oh. has happened in here has happened to me. Okay. Yes. So what yes. inspired so you? What inspired you to put your life in the book? Because a lot of people don't want to be transparent. So mm-hmm. clearly, yes. if everything in your book is about your life, you were willing to be transparent. So what inspired you to write this book? Besides your life, what inspired you? I just was so hurt. I was so hurt and so, like, I was in pain. I just simply was in pain. And um, I was looking for happiness. I was looking for happiness through my marriage. I was looking for happiness through my degrees. I was looking for happiness through my children. I was looking for happiness within myself. I just wanted to be happy. And, I mean, I felt like I never was healed from never having my family, never having my mom or dad really even give a shit about me. Like, I just was hurt, and it carried throughout my adulthood. And, you know, I tried to make things right. Like, I tried to, you know, have a relationship with my family. I tried to have a relationship with my father. I tried to have a relationship with my mom, which is actually working out for the better now, and I'm very happy about that. Like, me and my mom are – thank you. We're trying, and I hope hope she continues to try. I hope she does. Um, But so just from, like, that trauma, I never healed from it. And then on top of that trauma – was the trauma I dealt with when I was in the streets, just the negativity. People always telling me I'm never going to be anything or treating me like I'm never going to be anything and literally put their heel into my neck. It's like I was just, I didn't know where to put the pain. I tried to put the pain in so many places and it didn't work. So I was like, I got to get it out. And nobody, nobody wants to, my father doesn't want to make things work. I mean, it's not, it's not really much healing I can do from the streets besides graduating and like, like, when I ran for a marathon and I trained myself, I literally trained myself so I can run the old version of me off me. That's what I thought I was doing mentally. That's what I told myself. If I run 26 miles, eventually the old version of me that is in so much pain will disappear. That's how I felt. So that's why I did that. And it did it. She did it. She was still there after all of that. So I, one day I just got tired. Like, after the um, last argument I had with my family, um, one of my cousins I thought I was really close with, like, she said, um, she sent her friends to, like, fight me. We fought. Um, my dad, he stopped talking to me. My cousins, we were arguing on social media. Like, it was awful. So I'm like, you know what? Since no one's going to listen to me, I'm going to write a book because I'm hurting. I'm in pain, and I don't know what to do with this anger, and I don't want to keep fighting. I don't want to keep arguing. I just want to be happy for my kids. That's how I felt, and I just started <laughs> – <laughs> crying and writing, crying yeah. and writing until I start smiling every day like this, and I have not stopped smiling since I ended Chapter 19. And even writing the second book of American Wife, even writing American Wife, going through the process of after my marriage and so forth, I still don't feel the way I felt after writing this book. This book right. has thanked me. Like, I have even apologized to my husband for expecting so much from him. Because I did not know that a marriage is like a real partnership to the point where he's not supposed to make you feel fulfilled. You're supposed to feel fulfilled prior to you getting married. I was going to say, you're supposed to be fulfilled before you meet that person. And then when, like, he should be complete, you should be complete, and you guys come together. And And be 100,000% together. Exactly. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's amazing that – it sounds like you and your husband really were meant to be together because there's so many opportunities for you guys to leave one another. There's so many opportunities for him to leave you. And you wrote the book, and that helped you overcome some of your traumas and your demons that you were trying to run away from. And yeah. then the pandemic happened, and you guys were on the verge of, like, not even being together anymore. You guys found love again. So – there's so many gems that people can take away from this interview as far as like pivoting as an entrepreneur, um, overcoming trauma, healing, and learning to find who you are, learning to find your passion. So for you and your husband, do you guys go to therapy or did you guys just do all this work together by yourselves without the help of, um, their, you know, therapy services? We definitely um, did not do any therapy because we couldn't afford it. (laughs) Um, But so because we are overachievers and we don't, like when I first met my husband, I felt like he was a gift to me because Mm -hmm. I've been through so much. And everybody I met prior to him just was like, you're nothing. 
You're nothing, yeah. and I'm going to treat you like shit. That's how everybody treated me. And my husband was the first person or first man to be like, you're in school for accounting? That's awesome. Wow. Oh, you want to be a tax lawyer? That's amazing. Like, he was, like, so excited for the things I wanted to do in my life, and nobody ever was. Everyone was like, no, make sure you go drive six hours to go sell pills. Make sure you go strip. Make sure you, like, it was like no one ever encouraged me to do the things I really wanted to do, like, that I knew I would enjoy when I'm 40 years old. You know, like, no one encouraged that stuff. So when he encouraged it, it intrigued me, and I was like, man, like, you're kind of special. Like, no one talks to me like this. And then I was in school for accounting, and he was in his master's program for accounting and working as an accountant for the city of Detroit with his mother. It was like I felt like we were meant to be because I was struggling in accounting, and he was an accounting guru already. Like, you know, like he he went through and through. So he was like, I can help you. He's like, I can help you, no problem. He's like, you need help with accounting? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I can help you. I tutor accounting students all the time. And I was like, oh, this is going to work out great. Yeah. And then we just started doing So I do feel like my husband is a gift to me. So I do try to make things work with him. Like, I do try to make things work, even when we are at our lowest point. And he also feels the same for me because a lot of people don't get him and don't under, understand him. And a lot of people can't deal with an overachiever or someone that just wants to win all the time. They're very aggressive. They're very intimidating. And they're mean. Yeah. <laughs> they're mean. We are not mean, okay? <laughs> not we are not mean. We are just. Oh, yeah, you're a Capricorn. I already know. Are, I already know. We are just extremely passionate. That is what it's called. So it's called extreme passion, and people think that it's mean. Okay. But one of the things that I want to say um, wait, hold on. Let me get my charger real quick. Hold on, okay? Okay. I'm not going to. Remember, don't stand up. I remember not to stand up. <laughs> so what I was going to say was um, something else that I want to commend you for is just the fact that uh, you and your father don't have the best relationship, and I can only imagine some of the things that happened to you in your life out in the streets as a 13-year-old dancing. And that could really make you have this skewed view of men. And the fact that you allowed your husband to come into your life and for you to trust him enough to appreciate who you are and the fact that you appreciate mm-hmm. what he brings to the table as well. Like, is that something that happened immediately or is it something that you had to just get over as far as your feelings for men and things that you've gone through in order to appreciate him the way that you do? How did that happen? I think that, um, so, yeah, my father not being around had a huge part of, obviously, me going into the streets and stuff because nobody was there to stop me. Um, nobody was, in the, it, even when they did try to stop me, they just put me in juvenile and they put me in group homes when they did catch up with me. Um, so, yeah, I always talked to older men. I always talked to men that were so much older than me, like so much older than me, 18 years older than me. 14 years older than me, seven years older than me. Like, I've always talked to older men, and I always wonder, like, is it because I always longed for that relationship with my father? I don't know because I've, I've never been to therapy, but I do wonder that sometimes. Um, but to answer your question, um, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of things that happened to me prior to meeting my husband, I let go because I – always was that type of person to just go with my gut feeling. And that's how I survived. At 13, living on my own, I slept on slides. I slept on benches. I was homeless. Like, I really was. And I think a lot of things that saved me and put me in the right direction was my gut instinct. Like, if it made me feel like my heart feel heavy or it just didn't feel right, you know that feeling you have. Like, I felt it. Like, I just went with it. Like, oh, hell no. I'm going this way. Like, I always was like that. 
so when I met my my husband, it was just such a feeling of relief. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know you, but I'm so relieved to know you now. Like, it was kind of that feeling. So I just immediately, like, let my guard down because he was everything I wanted, the, the emotions I wanted, the feelings I wanted, the love I've been looking for my whole life. It was right here in front of my face. And it was in this human thing was studying accounting. It was like, it was just like, this person is meant to save me. That's how I felt. Like this person is meant to save me from everything I just went through in my life. Like this, this is the moment I've been waiting for. I went through all of that pain, not having anybody for this moment right here. That's amazing. So you knew like, this is my person. Like, he was my person, but I, I kind of did. Like, I didn't know he was meant for me, but I just knew that we were like this. Like, mm-hmm. we were like this really quickly. Like, within the first four weeks, we were like this. We did everything together. Like, the first three months of us hanging out, we just literally hung out. We ate. We went to a restaurant. We didn't like it, but because we just knew each other, we didn't want to complain. And then we got in the car, and he was like, that food was disgusting. And I was like, I'm so happy you said that song. I didn't want to complain. And, like, you know how it is when you're dating. Like, you don't really want to yeah. complain. Yeah. I was just like, this is great. We like to eat the same stuff. This is going to work out great because all I want to do is eat and study <laughs> and go dance. <laughs> That's all I want to do, make money and yeah. eat and I have think a boyfriend. That's, amazing. that's so amazing Thanks. that it happened like that. And I'm glad that you were able to allow yourself to let your guard down enough to realize that this person fit what you needed or filled exactly mm-hmm. what you needed. And I think that it's amazing that he wasn't judgmental as far as what you were doing in your background and where you mm-hmm. came from because he probably would have missed out on his blessing and his person. And even yeah. though a lot of people, and, and they, I know it sounds corny when people say, oh, another person's trash, another person's treasure, but literally there were people who didn't value you. And he's just like, what? You are everything. Like, I that's think that's exactly so amazing. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, he was like, they're crazy. I was like, really? Are you me? Are you sure? Are you sure you think this might save with me? Like, that's how it was. I was so like, no, I'm not. I'm not this person you're saying. It was like, it was, yeah. I didn't believe in I didn't even believe it because I, be, even though I was doing great things, like, I didn't believe in me. It just, yeah. I just did them because I was hoping it would make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so amazing. And that truly, when people say what's meant for you is meant for you, it really is meant for you mm-hmm. because in spite of everything you've been through, he's just like, girl, I don't Mm-hmm. I see what I see you. I see your potential. I think that's really, really dope. So speaking of seeing your potential when people just like judging people, judging a book by its cover or judging someone by their past life, what do you feel is the biggest misconception that people have about strippers in the stripper world? Um, I do feel like I think every stripper is just like out for blood. <laughs> every stripper is like out for blood, like trying to just like, you know, money hungry, sack chasing. Don't get me wrong. It is about eighty percent strippers that is out for blood, sack chasing. But the other twenty percent are the ones that are owning real estate and owning um, businesses and, and getting married and leaving the strip club or using that money to actually pay off school. Like there are strippers that are really doing that, but it's not a lot. But there are when those then that twenty percent are the corporate strippers because those are the women that understand. All this money I'm making, I have to reinvest it somewhere because it's just it's just going to go to my boobs, my body, and clothes. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you, you know, can't dance so, forever. No, you cannot. I have seen 50 year old strippers. They look great. Don't get me wrong. Right. They look in shape. Boobs look nice. Butts done and stuff. But you're 50 and you have grandkids. Yeah. And I know you. I know your girl. I know your feet hurt. <laughs> my feet was hurt. Girl, stop playing with me. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think, and this is this is the question I wanted to ask because I wanted to say this statement. I think a lot of times people really do differentiate corporate strippers from stripping. There are women that Mm -hmm. are in corporate that do things Mm -hmm. when they get off work that's no different than 
what they're what they think strippers do because strippers dance naked. There are a lot of strippers that really I don't judge women what they do with their body, how many people you sleep with, whatever you choose to do in your sexual life. But there's a lot of corporate women that have way more sexual encounters than strippers. Than some strippers. Oh yeah. There are a lot of boss women that are in power in in our positions that have crazy sex lives. That are my friends. (laughs) I would never expose them, but they have crazy sex lives. And I'm just like, dang. Jesus. But I get it because, like, you're all, like, I, I get why the, the boss woman has a crazy sense because we're always in control. We're always bossing people mm-hmm. wrong. We're literally always, like I said, it's, you're so professional or just on your shit all the time. It does feel good to just let go sometimes. Exactly. And someone else being in control. It really does. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when you wrote your book, well, first of all, has any of your family members read your book? Yes. So when and you I, wrote your book, that's what I'm going to ask, like, what was their reaction like? I know that you didn't have a good relationship with them. Did it make it worse or did it bring, is this what brought you and your mom together? Like, how did your book affect your relationship with your family? So my book on my dad's side, so right before um, I had my four-year-old daughter, me and my cousins were like, trying to trying to be a family. We were trying because they knew I was never around, but they looked just like me, and we loved that. We were like, oh, my God, we look alike. This is, we're really cousins. Like, it was, like, exciting. You know, you see someone that is like, you get it, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, we're so excited. We're, like, hanging out around the city and stuff. Everyone's like, you guys are like the black Kardashians. It was so fun, right? We fall out because of whatever reason family gets mad at each other. I don't know. Just something stupid. You don't answer the phone or something. I don't know. And then we found out we were all pregnant at the same exact time. All of our babies were doing the same month, all of them. Wow. So we started to, to rekindle the relationship again because we're like, you know what, it must be meant for us to, for us to all get pregnant at the same time. Like, our kids are probably meant to grow up together. So that's what we're thinking. And then, obviously, after you have the baby, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we thought again after the kids. Thinking, uh, we just thought again. So at that moment, we officially stopped talking, and that's when I started writing my book because I was like, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm so tired of people I care about turning their back on me, especially my family. I was tired of it. So I started writing, and, yeah, I, my, my, the one family member that smokes weed with me, <laughs> that smokes weed, the only one that smokes weed is the one that likes me. Uh, <laughs> she's my aunt. She's my dad's sister. And she read my book, and then she gave it, and, of course, she gave it to the family to read it as well. And at that moment, I was disowned from the family because of my lifestyle. Wow. Yes, I, my lifestyle, me being openly bisexual because they're Jehovah Witnesses. So me being openly bisexual, they can, oh, my God, they cannot be seen. They can't even be seen talking to me. You know, that's kind of how it is. And and so me being openly bi, me um, putting my personal business into a book, that's a no-no as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Me making my father, me putting my father on the forefront to show the world that he doesn't love me was a no-no. You know, we could have kept that to ourselves. You know, yeah. um, just like one of those things, that, that he, like they just felt like it was just so disrespectful. My cousin's like, my uncle is nothing like what you're saying. And I'm like, how would you know? Did right. you ever see me around? Where was where was I when you were in cheer practice, running track, having your parents give you the best go girl? Where was I? Juvenile. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. tell me what my dad did for me like he did nothing (laughs) exactly it's just like you can't judge me for taking my life back I'm taking my life back and you're being judgmental but a lot of times people are judgy because of things that they haven't overcome in their own life and a lot of times those people come around when they actually have the balls for lack of a better word to look at themselves in the mirror and be transparent about their life with themselves. A lot of times they're going through different things that they don't want to be open and transparent about, which everyone has their timeline. But I just, that's one of the ways that I learned to cope with people and their emotions is like, your emotions belong to you. They don't belong to me. That's for Mm -hmm. you to deal with. However you feel about me is based on how you feel about yourself. Because if you can be open and excited and happy for me, 
Um, that's your problem, not mine. Outside of religion, mm-hmm. I know a lot of times religion does um, influence a lot of people mm-hmm. and yeah. how they feel, you know, and different things like that. So that's just a totally different conversation as would take forever. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to get into that today. <laughs> so are there any other women entrepreneurs that you look up to or any women entrepreneurs that you watched on your way up to where you are now that you're like, you know what, I really like the way they do this. I really like the way they do that. That's a goal that I want to put on my list of things that I'd like to accomplish. Oh, yes, most definitely. Because I never had any positive role models, everybody in around you is just, like, around you. They're in their day-to-day life. So Beyonce was my number one person, number mm-hmm. one. Um, I love the way she, even though I know I can't sing, you know, and things like that, I just love how she carried herself. I love how she smiles. And, like, just she's just so such a powerful woman. And, like, that's something I always admired about her. Um, Oprah is the next person. I always look up to Oprah just because I'm, like, she's she's a billionaire? What? Like, it was just always, like, she's the first black woman billionaire. Like, that's insane to me. I love it. I love Mm -hmm. it. So that goes, like, just, and she doesn't have any kids. Like, she's just, like, her legacy is her legacy without even it even being the kids. So I admired that about her. Like, she just took legacy to a whole nother level. Um, And then Michelle Obama, obviously, love her. Love her and Barack. Like, that is just a couple goals on a whole nother level. Um, And then right now, right now, there's there's many of female rappers that I absolutely love, but I I don't even want to get in and list that. But the main people right now is Mona Scott. Right mm-hmm. now is Mona Scott because I'm writing so much, and I'm just mm-hmm. like uh, understanding from a writer and director and producer standpoint of how difficult this is, yeah, <laughs> and how much it takes and how much. And I'm like, wow, she did this and turned it into millions and millions of views. Like that's mm-hmm. admirable. Like I would love to have my show right next to her show on VH1. Like, mm-hmm. that's just something I admire about her. So those are my top what five for. <laughs> yes, those are some amazing people. Beyonce's on my list, too. I bought Michelle Obama's book. So definitely have some amazing people on your list. So I know that you talked about your book, Corporate Wife. So I was going to ask you, is there anything that you're working on right now? So Corporate Wife, is that the book that you're working on, or has it already been released? So um, um, it's called American Wife, and it's oh, part American two Wife, yeah. Yep, it's part two. It's a corporate stripper, and mm-hmm. yes, I'm not done yet. I have to finish the last ten chapters. Um, I only have it's a fifteen chapter book, and it's going to be a part two to American Wife because um, this is a three series book now. That's what mm-hmm. I decided to turn into because I was going to turn um, the second book, American Wife, into a thirty chapter book or a thirty five chapter book, but I don't want to do that. So I really want it to be like a I'm thinking of Harry Potter when I think of this because that's just my time frame. And I'm just like, I remember when Harry Potter, like, had these series of books. Like, I want my grandkids or my kids to, like, look on the shelf and, like, see a series of books, and they're just, like, they get it. Like, so part one, part two, part three. So that's why I'm doing that. So that's the current thing I'm doing. And I'm dropping that on October 16th, and I'm also dropping the audio version to Corporate Stripper on October 16th as well, just so people can get caught up and listen to Corporate Stripper and they don't have to figure out to read it, and then read American Life. (laughs) Those are the two um, books that I'm doing, and I'm doing a TV show. I just finished a web series, four episodes. It's a comedy. So it's just about my crazy life and what I do in Detroit and how we go about dealing with these celebrities and um, the other girls and, like, just crazy stuff that happens to us. Um, me and my friends. So it's a funny series. It's a web series, and that will be out this winter. That's when that will be launched, this, this winter. So I don't have a specific date. We're thinking, like, January 2022, but um, it's not official yet. But the recording is happening now. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I love that. I just love all the stuff that you're doing right now, especially Thank learning you. of all the things that you had to overcome to be the person that you are today, like, Listen, I know I didn't met you today, but I'm already (laughs) proud of you and all the things you've already accomplished, all the stuff you have coming up. I think it's so amazing. I can't wait to order the book. I can't wait to get the second book. I can't wait to watch the web. Listen, I want to be here forever, okay? I don't know about these other people who left you, but they didn't. 
they did not realize how they see I'm with your husband. They didn't realize how dope you are. So me and him, we're here. I need to put a Zoom meeting together for us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell everyone how they can follow you on social media. How can they find you? Come your website, how they can keep up with your web series. Give them all that information. Yes, so you can find the book on corporatestripper.com, um, and that's where you can also find the audio version of the book that will be released October 16th, and Part 2, American Wife, will also be there October 16th, and we will have a deal going on that weekend when we launch those, so make sure you guys check out the website. And then for the actual web series where it's just, you just want to come and laugh and just, you know, you're having a bad day. You need to put on that YouTube and put on Detroit Finest Baddies in the search bar. Subscribe, put on the notifications because we're going to be doing a bunch of podcasts, but what most recently is the web series episodes, okay? The yes. web series episodes, it's a bunch of beautiful, funny girls from Detroit and guys that's just about to be making y'all laugh at the edge of y'all seats, just showing y'all what we go through in Detroit because it's crazy. These people are crazy here, y'all, Okay. <laughs> Listen, I go to Detroit a lot, so I know you guys. That's why I say you guys are like a second Cleveland. Yes. I think it's the the weather and the lakes that affect us. Okay. I think we have lake effect weather and lake effect attitudes. Like, that's what goes on in Cleveland and Detroit. But I really really, really enjoyed talking to you today, and I am so happy that my team found you in the comment section on Instagram, and I'm so happy that you did this interview with me today. Like, thank you. Like, I learned way more than I thought I was going to learn. Like, this was amazing. I think you're a really awesome person. I love your personality, and I'm telling you right now, like, we've got to be friends because Detroit is only two hours away. It's, you're only two hours away. Don't make me drive. <laughs> to so yes. I love this. I love it. I'm serious. Yeah. I love when I meet mompreneurs and you guys are just like really real mompreneurs. Like you get it. I yeah. and love it. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> so I'm really going to, I'm going to email you my phone number or just message to you off of okay. here. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. But thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. See you. Bye.